welcome back to Ultiverse of Key, your guide to the ultimate universe. Now in podcast four, I'm Luke. And I'm Devin. And it's... The 52nd episode of this thing, meaning the one-year anniversary. No, two-year anniversary. Yeah. Because we're in every other week show. It's been two weeks since we started this. I mean... Two years since we've milked at me. Well, I mean, technically, it would have started the previous week. Well, no, the first year that we started this, I got stuck uh, at my parents' place in New Mexico, and I had already sent on my laptop and my microphone. And everyone was like, no, Luke, you can just wait. And I was like, I don't want to wait. For our lives to be over, but, uh, yeah. Now they are. We've only got one more normal episode, and then we're probably done, because I only got feedback from one person, or I only heard back from one person I reached out to, and, you know, we can just end it with 53 episodes of Ultiverse OQ. We don't need a 54th one. What would the 54th one have been? Uh, I was trying to get, uh... Bindo, Joshua Hale Fialkov, and the rest of the people who were on the team at the end of the Ultimate Universe to potentially come on and do a podcast. Oh, sure. Yeah, but, you know, they didn't get back to me, so... Let's get Marky Mark on here. See how he would have done it. Yeah, let's get Marky Mark on here and see how he would have done it in the end. I don't have Mark Millar money. Uh, apparently a few years back he had a thing where if you were to order like 2,000 copies, or no, if you were the highest orderer for the first issue of a new series he was putting out, he would come to your store and do a signing. And the guy who owned the store I talked to, not uh, at the Ogre, but Another store I did some stuff with was like, yeah, it would cost a stupid amount, but he'd apparently get out here on his own money and probably the amount of sales that we'd get from people just coming in to see him would be more than enough to make up for it. So did they do it? No, because you have stores like Midtown Comics or like Mile High Comics where they'll order ridiculous amounts. Oh, sure. Mm Mm-hmm. But uh, for our 52th episode, 52, 52, 52, PC people are getting all weird and emotional. Uh, We are going to be covering Ultimate Spider-Man number 200, Ultimate FF numbers 1 through 3, all new Ultimates numbers 1 through 3, and Miles Morales, Ultimate Spider-Man numbers 1 through 9. It's going to be a wild time. It's going to be a good night. Tonight's going to be a good night? Yeah, good night. Good, good night. Oh, and if you're like, hey, when did you do the Christmas gift exchange? Uh, My gift exchange with Devin is on the Nicolas Cage podcast. The Luke exchange will be when I see him and chuck it across this six-foot field at him. I mean, you could probably just leave it on the stoop outside the door. Nope, you're not going to do what uh, the Shake Shack men do? Maybe I'll just throw it through Luke's window. That seems a bit more fitting. <laughs> I mean, if anything, that would make our landlord actually get us new fucking windows. See? Mm-hmm. Everybody wins. Bonus Christmas present for Luke. New windows. Mm-hmm. Presents. One of them probably and could what? break the window. And what the person who threw it looked like every Republican congressperson? Wild. I guess we have to bring them all in for, for questioning. I'm not old, Luke. Devin, we will provide false witness. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but also, you are white. So, I mean, that's, that's halfway there. But, because you have a youthful glow from not having a hardened heart, uh, that would probably mean it would be completely false testing. Whatever, whatever. It's been a long-ass day. Uh, Ultimate Spider-Man number 200 was written by Brian Michael Bendis with a date. 
was written by Brian Michael Bendis with art by David Marquez and David LaFuente, Sarah Pacelli, Mark Brooks, Mark Bagley, and Andrew Hennessy, with colors by Justin Bonsor and letters by VC's Corey Petit. How tall do you think Corey Petit is? Probably average. Just to make, like, there be no jokes whatsoever. <laughs> but not super small like his name. Not, oh, I actually look at you. You're petite, but you're so tall. No, just average. <laughs> oh. And then when someone makes a joke, they'll be like, ha, 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 yeah, I haven't heard that one before. Yeah, Fuck you. I, <laughs> I, did ha I did have a flashback to the last time I did Heroes Con when I tabled with Kyle Latino and everyone. And there was a dumb number of people who just came up and were like, oh, you're a white guy. Why is your last name Latino? And one of the guys, guy was just like, you know what? You can just fuck off and leave. You don't need to buy anything. I don't need to sell you my stuff. Just keep moving. And the guy tried to apologize. And I was just like, nope, you don't need it. Keep going. Nice. No, you can't apologize. Just keep going. Nice. Mm -hmm. Anyways, remember how Peter Parker is dead and will always be dead in the Ultimate Universe? Yes. Yeah, Aunt May decides to celebrate his life and has a party and invites Miles and Genki and Jessica Drew and Lana Baumgartner and Liz Allen and Johnny Storm and Bobby Drake and Mary Jane. And Mary Jane's like, oh, hey, my new boyfriend who could come. Uh, I don't want you to come here. And then we'll probably never see his ass again. Truth. And at the party, Genki gives Gwen... I don't remember Uncle Ben getting a party. Which is just what he would want. He was a dirty-ass hippie. Truth. Uh, at the party, Genki gives Gwen a gift that we don't see, and that causes her to kiss him, which is just a weird moment. No, Genki's been putting them moves out before. I guess. And then Tony sends Pepper Potts to send a bunch of food catered by Chester Cebulski, a.k.a. C.B. Cebulski. Yep. Which changes the entire tone of the event, because they're supposed to get papaya dogs, and papaya dogs are great. But this is rich person food. Yeah, but I mean, would you rather have rich person food or papaya dogs? How do I have both? Fair. And it is then followed up with Kitty Prod showing up, and then Kitty Kong, who the last time we saw him, he just vanished. Uh, yeah, post just after Ultimatum. Mm-hmm. So outside, J. Jonah Jameson considers coming into the party and then is like, no, I'll, I'll, I'll figure out how to help. I'll see everybody. myself out. Mm -hmm. I won't even see myself in. Pictures of Spider-Man. And after eating, everyone discusses what they thought it would be like if Peter hadn't died. Like Mary Jane thought that he would leave the Ultimates. Aunt May thought that he'd inspire other people to be Spider-Heroes. Gwen thought he'd be a crime-fighting reporter. Miles thought that he would have trained... Uh, him and he could have gotten along with Peter as friends. Kitty figured that they would have gotten married, though she does not admit that at all. And Bobby's like, hey, we could have been on an awesome, radical, cool teen superhero team. Which is almost like the ultimate Spider-Man comic team, except not. You mean cartoon? Yeah. Yeah. And then in the end, they're like, well, we got... Well, then they also, well, they also de-aged a couple of heroes, too, but... Yeah. And then they just decide to donate all the remaining food to a homeless shelter and leave while someone mysterious watches on. Voiced by teen sen former teen sensation Drake Bell of the hit television program Drake and Josh. Drake and Josh in this economy? Yeah, I... And then live-action Timmy Turner in the hoo-hoo, wow, that was weird, uh, live-action Fairly Odd Parents films. Now, Timmy, if you nut, we have to go away forever. That's the rules. Yes. I, I, I don't know. I don't think this really worked, especially compared to some of the other, like, one-shot Spider-Man specials we've had. 
Well, that's because for me it was more of a we were celebrating Peter because we hit issue two hundred, mm-hmm. rather than moving the story forward at all. Yeah, but I mean they've done other things like that before. Anyways, we have one hundred seventy, uh, one hundred eighty-seven comics on the list. So where should we rank this? Upper middle. Uh, how do you feel about it compared to Ultimate Spider-Man? Number 121, Omega Red. Better. Uh, I think it's better than Ultimate Armor Wars. Mm-hmm. Uh, better than... Ooh, I don't know. I don't think it's better than Blade vs. the Avengers. That's fair. That was a decent story. Uh, so is it better or worse than Ultimate Fantastic Four Doom? Better. Alright, so our new number 81 is Ultimate Spider-Man number 200. They didn't give it a story title. After that, speaking of Doom, we have Ultimate Fant- er, we have we have Ultimate FF numbers 1 through 3 doomed, written by Joshua Hilfialkov with pencils by Mario Guevara, Tom Grummet, and Andra Araujo, Araujo. Andra Araujo, with inks by Juan Blasco, Scott Hanna, Mark Pennington, Jay Leaston, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg, and letters by VCs Joe Sabino. And we don't often talk about art because we're here for... How tall do you think Joe Sabino is in real life, Luke? What's his name? Joe Sabino. Sabino. Uh, Hits from 7 to 17 want to talk about Joe Sabino. I regret now that I did this. Yeah, good. Uh, but yeah. We don't normally talk about the art, Luke. That is correct. Yeah, Tom Grummet, who I think has a lot of the art that doesn't work here, is normally an inker. And here, I, I believe he does a lot of the pencils, or it might have been Mario Guevara. Like, the credits aren't super clear, but a lot of the art here is very highly stylized in a way that works sometimes. It should not have been. Well, it works, it works sometimes, but it has too much of an indie comics feel and some of the art is especially just super off-model where, like, Sue's face just never stops. Like, it's yeah. not really framed by hair in a way that makes sense. And I, I remembered, like, when the series was coming out and there was people on Reddit talking about how horrible the series looked. And I, I'm not going to say it's the worst superhero comic that we have read, but it's definitely something that a lot of the art has major issues with it in a way that I would not expect to see it in a big Marvel book. Yep. Which is a shame because I think so much of this could have worked a lot better and it wouldn't have been canceled after six issues if they had a quality art team on it or a more conventional one. But then it did. And then it's time to end the ultimate universe because of it mm-hmm daddy hickam was like well i was going to let them live but then i saw this and joshua what have you done with my children mm-hmm or well and no, decided it was time to die well no he's from texas so it'd be well joshua partner what have you done to my children uh, so, at the site of the Galactus attack in New Jersey, there is a massive explosion, and the Future Foundation is called in. It's a new think tank consisting of Tony Stark, Iron Man, Sam Wilson, Falcon, Danny Ketch, who is now the Machine Man, Susan Storm, and Phil Coulson. And I like that they give the IQs for everybody, and then it could just also add on an extra line where it's describing everybody's powers and who they are and their IQ, and then be like, Still a fucking dumbass. Yeah. So, uh, Iron Man, Falcon, and Sue go in and find that there is a portal to another dimension that's releasing extra-dimensional energy that is transforming the people who are trapped inside. 
Polson and Machine Man are trying to figure out what to do, debating releasing their secret weapon. And while the team inside tries to set up a shield generator, tries to set up a shield generator, that doesn't work, and the team is screwed. And so the secret weapon is sent in, who nobody's entirely sure who it is. And uh, when all of them leave to let the secret weapon do their thing, they think that it's actually Reed Richards, the maker. But in reality, Victor Van Damme, Dr. Doom is back. And everyone was like, I thought you were dead. Yeah, we all thought he was dead. <laughs> Hell, Devin. Didn't he die you... in Marvel Zombies? So, way, way if I re- back. If I recall. In Ultimate Fantastic Four, after swapping brains with Reed Richards back when Reed Richards was just a boring Reed Richards, mm-hmm. uh, he did go and send the zombie Fantastic Four back into the zombie universe and sealed himself in there forever. But then, Doctor Doom, looking much more like generic Marvel 616 Doctor Doom, started appearing because editorial wasn't doing their fucking jobs. And someone just wanted plain old Marvel 616 Doctor Doom to come back in so he could do Doctor Doom things. Don't you remember Ultimate Power and Ultimates 3 where he was the one who made Ultron kill the Maximoff twins even though he didn't? And then he got killed in Ultimatum? Yep. Yeah. Uh, Everyone else is like, Doctor Doom, we thought you were dead. Literally, like half a di- a quarter of the dialogue in the issues are Doctor Doom. I thought you were dead. I saw you die twice. Doctor Doom, I made your head become like jelly in my hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the team is next sent down to Lemuria, where the Kratos Club, that evil billionaire group that got introduced in the Ultimates that never really got built on, apparently turned it into a playground for the rich, and then. Transdimensional energy started appearing. Now they're stuck inside there. The team goes down and they find Namor, who is ready to fight, but he is confused because he saw Doctor Doom get murdered by Ben Grimm. And he's like, I saw your head get turned into jelly. And Doctor Doom is like, Doom has no jelly in his head. And And Namor says, okay. Yep. I guess that's all we'll get for now. Uh, so Doom and Namor get into a fight. The ship gets locked off from all of them on the surface. Machine Man and Coulson are watching to find more life signs that suddenly start appearing underwater. And Sue and Namor catch up. And she's like, why do you think Doom should be dead? But then they get distracted by Blue Atlanteans who try and murder them. And Falcon, Iron Man, and Doom are like, hey, they're from another universe. So... The other dimensional, uh, so the Atlanteans from the other dimension are led by Queen Namora, who's like, hey, uh, yeah, the Kratos Club was pumping their garbage and poisoning our dimension. It really sucks. We're trying to kill them all. Oh, hey, Namor, I'm going to murder all of you. And Tony's like, ooh, I don't want you to do that. Have some chlorine gas and die a bit. So Doom, meanwhile, is like, oh, hey, there's this trash compactor that will destroy this other universe. Yeah, I'm just going to dump more shit into it. And Namor's like, I want to watch. And then Doom's like, hey, have fun going into this trash compactor, Namor. And he tosses Namor in. And that starts a vacuum that is going to destroy all of Lemuria and the portal and the other world. And Doom is like, all right, well, now you can either save these rich people but uh die or you can get out of here and then namor comes back and the portal gets messed up and most of the team gets sent to the negative zone where they find captain marvel who you may remember got sent to the negative zone in hunger mm-hmm. specifically in cataclysm x-men do you know who else got sent to the negative zone Thor. Yeah. And Galactus. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's it's a weird ending place. Like, this is the point where, oh, this series only lasted for a few issues, 
but they did a lot more connective stuff, so theoretically we could just wait to rank this one. That's fair. Fair enough. So we will wait to rank it. Uh, In two weeks, a mm -hmm. multiversal queue. Your guide to the ultimate universe. Now in podcast form. I'm Luke. I'm Devin. And now it's time for all new ultimates, one through three. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I just wish the art was better for it because we, I, I have said before, I love what Joshua Hill Fialkov does, bringing in like the forgotten bits of continuity, like whatever did happen to Namor, and what about the Kratos Club? But uh, yeah, people did not like the art for it. And that's fair. Yeah, uh, after that we have all new Ultimates, numbers 1 through 3, written by With Michelle. better art. Yes, uh, with, uh, which was written by Michelle Fife, which was written by Michelle Fife, with art by Ammo Carter Pina, colors by Nolan Woodard, and letters by VCs Glenn Cowles. And are you familiar with Michelle Fife's art? Nope. Uh, he does a series that I am blanking on. Oh, Copra. Which is essentially his homage to uh, 80s Suicide Squad. Which is his homage to 80s Suicide Squad comics. Yeah. And so we have like a very 80s gang movie vibe here. Very much so. Yeah, like this is a comic that I'd say definitely read because the art is excellent and I think it achieves a lot of what it does. But also like the third issue here starts with a big fight that a lot of stuff happens in but also not a lot of stuff happens in but it's great to look at yeah it was like the big deal when it came out too was it yeah i remember this one always being advertised heavily wild i don't really remember it but i i did read and collect all of the series because of Pepe. nice mm-hmm uh, so yeah, we have our new, we have our all new Ultimates team, which consists of Miles Morales, Spider Man, Jessica Drew, who's currently Spider Woman, Lana Baumgartner, Bombshell, and then Hyde Johnson and Tandy Bowen, who are Cloak and Dagger. So Genki gets mugged on the way to get some Legos, but is saved by Cloak and Dagger, and afterwards they meet up with Spider Man, who gives them the rundown of Miles leads Genki home. Jessica, meanwhile, is having issues getting everybody on the team on the same page because it's like, oh, hey, we should just call if there's problems. And Cloak and Dagger are like, we don't have phones. We're orphans. We don't need to eat anymore. We live in an abandoned church. Fun times. And, yeah. And they would have just... had a payphone somewhere in that abandoned church. What if it got dis... Why would there be a payphone in, like, 2000... Because it's abandoned. A payphone, though? Yep, it was abandoned. Maybe it's been abandoned for 10 years, Luke. You don't know. So you're saying that the phone company would keep service on this payphone in an abandoned church that has not been used for 10 years? Good. You live in a world of magic. Remember that time where Mr. Burns found out that they were giving free electricity to the uh, prison that had been shut down for roughly the same amount of time? Where? Yeah. Where's my burrito? Where's my burrito? Where's my burrito? Where's my burrito? Ow. Anyways, I, I, keep, that, I keep getting that song stuck in my head. Yeah, they're not really coming together until she's like, hey, you know Roxon, the people who made the drugs that essentially made all of us into who we are. There used to be a lab that's been seized by the Serpent Skulls, who are the guys who attacked Genki, and the drug and the lab is producing drugs that give powers similar to the ones that Cloak Dagger and Bombshell got, but is more dangerous to the user. And so they're like, yeah, let's go and beat them up later. Afterwards, Jessica brings pizza home to her apartment where Kitty has been staying, and Kitty's like, I'm not up for being a hero yet. Meanwhile, Lana, and then Lana returns home and sees Serpent Skull members attacking and charges in, 
alert after alerting the team with Jessica Drew showing up now going as Black Widow because she had Kitty cut her hair. So the police show up because there was explosions and they're looking for leads in this case. And one of the Serpent Skulls melts the face off of Detective Terry Shrek. Not like the DreamWorks character Shrek. Not the good and, Shrek that you like. Mm-hmm. And as the rest of the team shows up, uh, that is when the rest of the Serpent Skulls come out, led by Diamondback. So fighting escalates. Ultimately, Black Widow gets stabbed with a drug-filled syringe. And then the SWAT appears, so the Ultimates escape into Cloak's Cloak. But everyone is tired, badly beaten, and unmotivated. And Lana quits the team because she's like, This would be easy if I could just explode, people. Miles then helps Jessica get home. Well, the detectives comment that uh, one of the men that uh, they were looking for initially had escaped. And we see he is murdered by a mysterious man in a white mask. (gasps) Back at the Serpent Skulls base, Crossbones, the leader of the Serpent Skulls, gets the rundown and talks about how other members of the team have been getting killed. And so they need to find out whoever's been doing that and kill them off. And then they'll probably just recruit the Ultimates to join them. Jessica has started to hallucinate from the poisoned syringe that she got as Kitty promises to join the team. And Jessica asks for help, and we find out that this white-masked man is known as Scourge, who takes out more members of the Serpent Skulls. But we also find out that uh, Scourge is very angry that his murders aren't getting any attention in the newspaper. You need them likes, yo. Mm-hmm. Need them follows. Needs that clout. Yeah. Pierce, meanwhile, is able to save Jessica because he's a former S.H.I.E.L.D. doctor who's like, yeah, I will help your S.H.I.E.L.D. people, no questions asked. Lana, meanwhile, goes to check in on some of her old friends trying to find out what has happened to her boyfriend, Poe, who hasn't uh, gotten back to her a few times, unaware that Miles has been following her. And Lana finally tracks down Poe and find out and finds out that he moved and is dealing drugs through his uncle for the Serpent Skulls. And he hid it from her because she is really complicated and has emotions that he doesn't want to deal with. But she's able to get him to promise to bring her to the next deal. Meanwhile, the detectives are looking into news with Bart, an informant, who mentions that he has seen Cloak and Dagger several times around the church where they've been living. And he saw them fighting the Serpent Skulls. But then the detectives find out that Terry Shrek has vanished. And I do like that Bart is just literally sitting there in the first issue watching. Mm-hmm. Like nice the callback. Art, mm-hmm, the art does what it is trying to do here. So at the drug deal, Miles watches Lana arrive with Poe and his cousin, while Kitty and Jessica run into Scourge and start chasing after him. Uh, he kills... He shoots Kitty with a gun that blinds her before Cloak and Dagger show up, only to get tied together, and he gets away. Miles, meanwhile, gets caught when he falls into the building, gets into a fight. Lana gets Poe out of the way so she can join Miles in helping. And ultimately, while the lab burns down, Spider-Man webs up most of the people. And the team regroups with Lana rejoining and apologizing, and they realize that they have a lot of work cut out for them. The Mm-hmm. Also, yeah, Jessica Drew works for S.H.I.E.L.D. She can easily get Cloak and Dagger phones. But S.H.I.E.L.D. doesn't exist anymore. She has things that could get phones. I mean, she she stole the communicator devices. Yeah. But also, you can't play Pokemon Go on that. That's fair. So, yeah. That's uh, not That's not true. Genki could get Pokemon Go on there. You think that Genki can hack into a shield device to get Pokemon Go? Specifically for Pokemon Go, yes. If you play the hit PS5 video game, Miles Morales, you actually will find out that basically all Genki does is hack things for you and work on some big video game that he's been designing for like a year. Ah, okay. And flirting with that girl who is a podcaster and appeared in one of the Spider-Man issues that caused controversy for Brian Michael Bendis. I forget her name. 
No idea. Uh, anyways, uh, once again, it's just another three-issue introduction because there's some status quo changes that pop up, so I think we can also wait to rank this until we get the second half of the story. Let's do it. Yep. But you know what's great? Next time, everybody goes to the beach. Beach party episode. Yes, and then we finally have... Ultimate Miles. Miles. Miles Morales, Ultimate Spider-Man, numbers 1 through 9, written by Brian Michael Bendis, with art by David Marquez, colored by Justin Ponsor <sighs> and Jason Keith, with letters by VCs Corey Petit. And we have two stories this time! Dose. Mm-hmm. So, at S.H.I.E.L.D., Norman Osborn, who is still alive, has his custody transferred over to more standard authorities. Meanwhile, two men in costumes with powers like Spider-Man are leading some daring robberies. Miles is still dating Katie Bishop, and he talks about how his father is missing, but he can't tell her everything. And then Norman Osborn escapes in a great ball of fire. Cue some great Tom Cruise music right there. Goodness gracious, great ball of fire? Yeah. Okay. From the hit film Top Gun. I mean, it was a song before then. The big song from Top Gun. Isn't that Danger Zone? It is. But I also recall that they sing Great Balls of Fire in one of the diner restaurants, which I visited when I was in San Diego for San Diego Comic Con. Yeah, but it's a classic song by Jerry Lee Lewis. You say that. The only thing I know that from is from Top Gun. It is on my Top Gun soundtrack, Luke. Okay. More respect to hero Tom Cruise yelling at people for breaking COVID protocols. But also he's done a bunch of wild stuff and he's in a cult. He is in a cult. And he is weird. Mm -hmm. So Miles talks to Genki about wanting to try and tell Katie a secret, and he decides to go to MJ for actual advice about what he should do, and she suggests that if he reveals a secret, it's the same as asking Katie to marry him. On the way back, he sees news about the Spider-Man twins, and when he gets home, he finds a living Peter Parker in his apartment, and he asks Miles for the web shooters back. What? What? Yeah, I I don't know how I, I... I am not a fan of this whole arc. Yep. It also never gets resolved. Yeah. I mean, Secret Wars. So, Miles is reasonably upset... Oh, and then uh, Norman Osborn returned to his headquarters and went to a secret lab to get something that we don't actually see nope yeah it's like ultimately unimportant beyond people trying to chase him there and getting murdered we'll get to that later so miles is upset that peter is back and is refusing to tell him anything and miles just wants to know what's going on and eventually peter's like he doesn't know what's going on but he wants to keep it private and return to being Spider-Man, and so he knocks out Miles, this poor sweet child, steals the web shooters, and Miles wakes up and is like, I think he's a clone now. And the Spider-Twins are doing more crimes, and even though they aren't dressed up like classic Spider-Man or Miles Spider-Man, all the police are like, I guess we need to arrest Spider-Man now. Yep. Which doesn't make sense. Not at all. So Miles tries to figure out what to do with Genki's help since he can't reach anybody. And then Katie Bishop shows up and he's like, hey, I'm Spider-Man. Meanwhile, the news about Norman being alive reaches the Bugle. And at the police precinct, the reports of the Spider-Twins uh, has a second turn when one of the has a second turn when one of the security guards got killed and Maria Hill decides to track down Miles. So once Katie knows that Miles is Spider-Man. She runs away. Then Detective Hill shows up, and Miles runs away with Hill following after him before and he And then returns. Nick Fury shows up, and then Maria Hill runs away. Excuse me. And then Monica Chang shows up. 
And she's like, Nick. Nick fears ghosts. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, he'll just uh, correction, correction. Nick Fury fakes his death. He's not Professor Xavier. Nick Fury forms a secret team that will just oppose <laughs> all of the actions of everybody else. Because that's the, this is the way. Not when it's a child custody thing. That's a fake your death situation for Nick Fury. Uh, anyways, yeah, Miles gets back and then they find the news that Norman is back. And then former show director Monica Chang goes to Osborne Industries where she finds Osborne waiting. And he just murders her after she tries to shoot him. Mm-hmm. R.I.P. Nick Fury's ex-wife, Monica Chang. Remember how he slept with every one of her female friends and relatives. Yes. Miles, meanwhile, without web shooters, has schlepped all of his way, has schlepped all the way to Aunt May's house, looking for her when Norman appears. Katie, meanwhile, comes home in tears and confides in her sister about Miles' secret, and she is told to break up with Miles before their parents find out. So, news about Spider-Man fighting Osborn comes out, and then Peter Parker also returns as Spider-Man to join the fight. Things escalate. And Miles is able to venom shock Osborn, so Osborn runs away because he did not like that. And the police prepare to arrest both of them. Aunt May recognizes that the Spider-Man on TV is Peter. And then Peter web swings away, leaving Miles to have to turn invisible, accidentally gets shot. And so luckily, uh, Maria Hill is like, hey, get in the car. I'm going to help you out here. Also, we find out that the Spider Twins are brothers, and I don't remember if anything actually comes out of them. I don't think so. Yeah. So, Miles checks in with Genki, while Maria helps with the wound, because the original Spider-Man helped her get her career. And Jameson is trying to figure out what's going on with the Osborne story before Osborne randomly just flies into his room and wants to give his side of the story because he's got a moment of lucidity because of the Venom Blast, and he realizes that he killed his son. He killed his boy! Before he starts going wild again, and Jameson pulls a trigger to kill Osborne with a gun point-blank. Which, fair. Fucking gangster from mm -hmm. J. Jonah Jameson. And so Miles and Hill track down Peter to Mary Jane's house, Osborne calls Ben Urich because he killed Osborne, or and then Jameson, Jameson calls Ben Urich because he killed Osborne, but then Osborne gets back up and explodes his head. R.I.P. J. Jonah Jameson, a true homie. The best person in the Ultimate Universe. He's definitely up there. Who is better, Luke? Name them. You really want me to name him? Ultimate Thor is in the negative zone. He's not in the Ultimate Universe now. No, <laughs> can't I'm not name talking him. about that. Oh, fuck. What was his name? Uh, what was the name of the new kid who came to school who was really cool but also had explosive powers? Oh, never mind. Geldof? Yeah, fuck yeah, Geldof. <laughs> yeah, Geldof. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. Geldof for life. <laughs> Geldof for life. Geldof could have stopped all of this. I got Mark Bagley to sign my Geldof issue when I met him last year. The one that you got from Gogurt? Uh, no, Frigo Cheeseheads. That's right. He commented so, that the books were very well worn. <laughs> Which they are. <laughs> so at MJ's, Peter reveals that he isn't sure so at mj's peter reveals that he is sure that he's real but he's not sure how he came back to life because he woke up in a lab in georgia that was abandoned found mj discovered his casket was empty and decided that he wanted the web shooters back because that was the only connection that he had with his dad and he wanted to start a new life and then out may and gwen show up followed by osborne so miles dives in this time it was just like zap motherfucker zap motherfucker zap and is able to return Osborne into human form. And Osborne is like, If you lock me away, you'll never find your real father. And Miles is like, Are you for real? He's like, I am your father. And then they, Miles just zaps him 
and Peter joins in, and they both just beat the shit out of him. Mm-hmm. And then Maria's like, all right, that's enough. He's unconscious. He's probably out of his chemicals. And then she shoots him and lights him on fire. It's great. Gotta, like, do it just enough times. Mm-hmm. So Peter, meanwhile, decides that he needs to go off on his own and find out what's going on and give his spot and gives Miles a blessing to be Spider-Man, and we find out that Katie's parents are with Hydra as Peter and MJ ride off into the sun together, and then Jefferson Davis returns to talk to Miles. And so that's the first story that's called Revival. The second story is also pretty quick, so we'll do that and then rank both of them separately. The second one is through 8 through 9, and it's neat because David Marquez does a completely different style. Very much so. Mm -hmm. So in the past, Jefferson Davis saw his brother get involved with crime and it turned out badly. And when he was just hanging out with him, he ended up getting arrested. So Nick Fury paid his bail and Nick Fury was like, Turk, your brother's boss is going to offer you a job. And Fury wants to recruit him as an insider. So Turk does end up offering Jefferson a job as a bartender. And Fury's like, yep, I called it. So you're going to be my inside guy who's going to teach Turk how to be the best at crimes to attract Wilson Fisk. And so that ends up working out, and Fisk offers Jefferson a job by threatening his family. And for a while, he's running around with the Enforcers, unifying all the groups under the Kingpin. But Jefferson wants out, and Fury's like, hold on, we got one more thing to do. We need to get him for the big crime, which turns out to be mutant growth hormone that is being produced by Mortimer Toynbee. A.K.A. the Toad, but who is also totally different than the Toad that we've seen earlier in the Marvel Universe. Mm -hmm. And so Jefferson has issues with it. And got into a scuffle because he's like, yeah, you're harvesting this from a mutant. That's bad. And then Shield and Nick Fury show up and it allows them to arrest a lot of people. And then Jefferson got to leave and decided to never join Shield. He met up with Miles' mom and completely changed who he was and sometimes has regrets about not continuing on with S.H.I.E.L.D. And realizing that he has admitted everything, he also admits that he felt bad about what he did to Miles. Turk, his, the former boss, you may recall in the such hit programs as Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and I think Iron Fist. Well, Andy was also in the Infinity crossover because he had an Infinity Gym for a while. Did he? Yeah. That's how he became the new Kingpin. Because Kingpin at the time was a politician. Is he? Yeah. Yes. No, it's, he's still a politician. Yeah, but like that's why he wasn't Kingpinning. Gotcha. The same way. Yep. Uh, so yeah, we have two stories there. We have a revival and the secret history of Jefferson Davis. And you know, my big problem with these are neither of them are stories directly about Miles Morales. None of them really add to who Miles Morales is. One of them is basically just doubling down on what we've already had. And then the other is, hey, here's his dad who was a dick. And meanwhile, on the covers, it's like, oh, is Miles going to be a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, or is he going to join with Hydra? I don't fucking know. The Hydra thing's stupid, because that comes up later. Yeah, yeah. I feel, like, just... I feel like they messed up when the covers are supposed to come out. Yeah, I think it's a big problem with, like, Bendis not figuring out how long some stories would take. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so the first one that we have is Revival, which is alright. I mean, it's a solid Spider-Man story. It's just not a good story about Spider about Miles Morales again. I don't know. Here's my thing. I thought it was dumb they brought Peter back. Oh, yeah, no, I think that is horrible. I, I wrote a piece. I don't know if it's going to get published or not. Basically talking about how Bendis is completely shitty to Miles at every opportunity, like in a way where he was never this hard to Peter. Yeah. I don't know, he killed him off for this sheer fuck of it. But it's not like this where Miles had his mom killed in front of him by a cop facing down a random villain who wasn't even searching for him. 
and who most of like most of Miles' things are interacted or are caused by his relationship to Spider-Man, Peter Parker. That's fair. And like, remember how his dad, who had a broken or who was on crutches, was able to completely move out of his apartment in New York City while Galactus was attacking in about a four-hour period, even though a plane had crashed outside in the street. First off, there is an easy explanation. I thought about that. Okay. Coming out of these, this most recent issues that we read about how we learned about Jefferson Davis being a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, which means he has Nick Fury's number. All he has to do is call Nick Fury and say, Yo, Nick, I want to abandon my child. And bam, Nick Fury was there. <laughs> Yo, I got you. <laughs> Christ. Christ. Ah, uh, okay, so you don't like it as much as Ultimate Spider-Man 2, Hundo? No, I would say no. Because I would say that this story negatively affects, like, everything. Yeah. How do you feel about it compared to Ultimate 6? Plus, they killed off Jameson. Best character. Oh, yeah. Second best character. Second best character. Still out there. Fair. Uh, how do you feel about it compared to Ultimate 6? Uh, worse I do think it's better than the Marvel team up Spider-Man and Shang-Chi yeah I'd agree with that so our new number 123 is Miles Morales Ultimate Spider-Man Revival bringing our list up to 189 so let's go to 190 on the list Ultimate or Miles Morales Ultimate Spider-Man 8 through 9 The Secret History of Jefferson Davis which was not actually the title because they just stopped giving titles to stories again. And you heard what Luke said. He said number 190, so I guess we're putting it in the bottom of the list. Weird choice, Christ. Luke, but okay. <laughs> Christ. Now, I do think this is better than Revival. I agree. Uh, I guess my thing with this issue was I feel like it would have been a better issue had the Ultimate Universe not ended. And they could have built on it more? Yes. But, I mean, we're taking it for what it is at the time that we read it. No, I agree. Yeah. Uh, how do you feel about it compared to uh, Ultimate Comics Spider-Man Venom War? Worse. Ultimate 6? Better. Yeah, I agree with that. So our new number 122 is The Secret History of Jefferson Davis bringing us up to 190 stories. So, Devin, we only got one more episode of this and then listeners will have heard the Christmas special theoretically before this. But, uh, yeah, we, we got one more episode of this. We're going to have an episode where we're going through the rest of Ultimate FF all new Ultimates and Ult and Miles Morales Ultimate Spider Man. So it's gonna be a good time tonight. Yep. Uh, I don't know. Do you have anything else to add? Yeah. Have you seen the new burger that uh, McDonald's is rolling out in China? I was trying to work that in somewhere, but couldn't find a good spot. Oh, the spam and Oreo burger. Hell yeah! Wild. It is. I'd still try it, but mm -hmm. I'm into it. There, uh, Spam is delicious. If you ever come visit in Minnesota, we can all take a trip. This is to all the listeners here. We can all take a trip to the Spam Museum. There's lots of different flavors of Spam. Spam, spam, spamity, spam. Sorry, I was responding to an email about a person who was trying to sell a charcuterie board, but did not reply over the weekend, so I made alternate plans. Nice. Yeah, I'm so tired of this year. It's It's been a long year. I'm glad we're going to be done with Multiverse Q as a regular thing. 
even though it has meant a lot doing it. But uh, yeah. Oh, here's the thing. People should send in questions so we can like get 53 questions to answer in the final episode of it's Multiversal Jesus Q. Christ, no. <laughs> Do it, cowards. Four uh, questions. Yep, that's Andrew funny. can get a question, and Jeff can have a question. I mean, Jeff's question would probably be, uh, where can you talk about Bachelorette? Yes, I totally believe that if he were on The Bachelorette, J. Jonah Jameson would win. Actually, yeah, I'd love to see J. Jonah. Now, would, would he be the host or would he be The Bachelor? Because I, I would love to see him in either aspect, but I think him as the host would be fantastic. Here's what happens, Luke. He starts off as The Bachelor. But then his season is so wildly popular, he becomes the host in future seasons. Okay, so we're talking like a JoJo situation. I don't know what that means, but yes. Okay. Is that a bizarre adventure reference? No. One of Good. the former Bachelorettes is named JoJo, and she had to fill in when Chris Harrison went to take his son to college. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. There, Jeff and Abby, now we have content for you two. We'll just call this one episode 52, lots of talk about The Bachelorette. Yes. All right, well, uh, Devin, where can people find you online for more Bachelor content? Uh, you can find me online at Fred Fett, that's F-R-E-D-D-O, F-E-T-T. Luke, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at, at Coltrek, that's K-O-L-T-R-E-G. You can also find everything that I do at Luke L-U-K-E-H-E-R-R dot com. Uh, thank you for listening to this. Multiversal Q has been a long-running podcast. Multiversal Q has also been a podcast. Uh, thank you for listening, and we'll do all of our sad goodbyes next time. Catch you on the flip mode. Peace. Peace, 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 peace.